Welcome to We Could All Use Some Therapy, the podcast hosted by two friends who also happen to be therapists. With over 30 years of combined experience, we'll discuss why people go to therapy, why they don't, and the systems they navigate. While our podcast is about therapy, it is in fact not your therapy. No information in this podcast should be considered a substitute for treatment. Please seek out a professional mental health provider for your own support. Hey, Jill. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing, uh, I'm doing pretty well. How are you, are you fired up? I I'm fired up. <laughs> well, uh, my name is Jill. I am a uh, mental health counselor and therapist in California. And my name is Isabel. I am a licensed clinical social worker uh, slash therapist in New York City. So Isabel, tell everyone what you're fired up about because you approached me and you're like, I have an idea and we have to talk about it right now. I text attacked you. Um, <laughs> so for people in New York or on the East Coast or who just read the news, um, New York City Mayor Eric Adams has started a new initiative that really came out of nowhere. Like, I don't remember any conversation about this. And then one day it was just like, this is the thing that's starting. So basically, um, and I, I'm getting this from uh, hearing about it on NPR uh, one morning. So we can put the link if anyone wants to reference what I'm talking about. So uh, basically, this is a new initiative on how we are going to quote unquote, support people who are displaced and, uh, and or mentally ill. And so uh, just to give some background for people who aren't in New York, things have been increasingly worse uh, over the last, I don't know, six months, year, two years, um, in terms of uh, displaced people being on the subway, being in the streets, um, around Penn Station, Grand Central, those areas, I think in particular, um, uh, the displaced population is around there a lot more. Um, there's de decreased services and, also, there's been a huge increase in crime. And in the news, there's been these flashes of stories about people being attacked on the subway by displaced people who uh, appear to be mentally ill. Mm. All incredibly scary. Like I live here. It's I, I actually had two things happen to me on the subway within one week of each other that were absolutely terrifying and uh, just messed me up for a while. Um, and nothing actually even physically happened to me in either of them. So I get it. Uh, so what the mayor wants to do is uh, start having police sweep the subways and hospitalize involuntarily all displaced people who, quote unquote, appear to be mentally ill, whether they are being aggressive or engaging other people or sitting there doing nothing or lying there sleeping. If something about them to a police officer presents as potentially mentally ill, they will be forcefully taken to the hospital. So that's the overview. We are going to spend the rest of this episode digging into how we feel about this, and the ins and outs. And Isabel, how do you feel about this? I feel angry. I feel resentful. I feel confused. Uh, I feel, yeah, that's where I'm gonna start. Yeah, it's a very triggering subject. My I mean, I, ha I have a lot of feelings about this as well. And, um, and, you know, you and I have talked a lot about involuntary hospitalization and, and just what that whole system is like, you know, just from a practical standpoint, you know, so when people are 
swept off the subway because somebody has identified them for whatever reason as mentally ill, a danger to themselves, what we call gravely disabled, which is a term that basically means somebody cannot take care of themselves because they are so disabled, troubled, you know, however you want to say it, there's a circumstance around them that says that they cannot take care of themselves. That is one justification for an involuntary hospitalization, which again, is what it sounds like. We're taking you to the hospital and you don't have a choice. Um, it is usually, um, you know, it can, it can be initiated by a few different people, but the police are some of the main people who can create an involuntary hospitalization. So aside from all of the ethical questions, and there are so many when it comes to that, what happens when they take them to the hospital? Because this all sounds well and great that we want to get these people help and we want them to be able to, you know, have their mental illness treated. Anyone who has been, I'm just going to use New York as an example, because we're talking about New York. Anyone who has been in a psychiatric emergency room in New York City knows that this is not it. Where are you going to actually get the real help? This just feels like you're scooping people off the street and depositing them somewhere and then just hoping it gets better. You know, what? then what? So you take them to the hospital and they're evaluated by somebody. Then what happens? You know, the area that I live in is smaller than New York City. And so often they don't have enough beds. And and and, and so what? then what happens? What do you do? It sounds great, but then the practicality is is that you don't actually have anywhere to put these people and you don't have any long-term treatment plans. You said, I, there's so much, there's so <laughs> much. So I feel like my brain wants to start with the beginning. How he described it is right off the bat, irritating. So he said that they're gonna begin hospitalizing more homeless people by involuntarily providing care to those who deem to be in psychiatric crisis. Providing care, so you're making an assumption that care is going to be provided to these people. You're making an assumption that they need care. And you're making an assumption that by being brought to the hospital involuntarily, they are going to arrive in a place where they have the capacity and the willingness to be receptive to that care. Mm -hmm. There's so many problems. Okay, the police are not trained to recognize and to engage someone who appears to be mentally ill. If someone's mentally ill and they're just sleeping on the subway and nobody bothers them, they're not going to do anything to anybody. So by us waking them up and agitating them and telling them they have to go to the hospital, we are creating a crisis where there doesn't need to be one. And the worst part of this is that this isn't to provide care to these people. It is to provide a false sense of safety and security to everybody else. And I will just say, I understand. I understand it is unsafe. It is uncomfortable. There are so many levels to what it's like on the subway when you think that someone is impulsive and you don't know what they're going to do. It is terrifying. And, and, it's just a really quick story. <laughs> it's a really quick story. I was on the subway a couple weeks ago. Uh, so the mayor's been increasingly um, pushing uh, police presence on the subways. And I've been seeing it. There are cops everywhere on the platform just standing around. Hmm. Um, when the reality is that police don't prevent things from happening, they just react to them when they happen. And in my experience, not always so helpfully. Anyway, 
So I was on the subway and this guy rolled in from the next car. He was lying on the floor. One shoe came off. He was like drunk or I don't know what he was moaning. He was in misery. He was not engaging anyone. He was, I'm not saying this was okay, but I'm making the point that he was not being aggressive to anyone. He would not have noticed if you sat down next to him on the floor out of it. So absolutely like this guy needed help. So I guess someone maybe like let the police know that this was happening. So we pulled in to the next station and two officers stopped the car for leaving and got on and were standing in the doorway and we're trying to get this guy off. So this older gentleman sitting across from me stands up while the police are already moving this guy just to say, he really needs, he really needs to be taken out of here. This guy needs to be, something's really wrong with him. Okay, <laughs> sir. Like they're already removing him. I don't know. Like, what do you, okay. Thanks, you're, yeah. You think you're being like a good citizen. Sit down. Anyway, so the the worst part is, so they get this gentleman off and he walks past them and leaves. So for all of you out there who think that the police are escorting displaced people off the subway and taking them somewhere, they are not. They are getting them out of your face and letting them go off to they, find they somewhere else to sit. They just left him on the platform? No, they stayed on the platform and I'll tell you why. While he continued to walk and he just left, he left the subway station. Oh, so, so the police took him off the train, escorted him to the platform, and then he just walked they, away. They just forced him to get off. So then oh, they oh. turn, problem solved. So then they turn, and there's another guy, this young guy sitting on the subway uh, with his feet up, and he looked like he hadn't had a place to stay in a while. He was just sitting there with his hands in his pockets. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't acting a certain way. But the cops recognized that he looked like he didn't have a place to stay, and they said, you have to get off too. What? Right. Why does he have to get off? Why does this guy have to get off? Because he looks dirty. And now like people are looking at you and expect you to just clear everyone off the car who doesn't look clean. So the guy actually, and it was a black guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was, I was watching and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Like, is he going to get off? Is he going to refuse? Are other people going to jump in? Are the officers going to escalate this unnecessarily? Anyway, the guy very calmly was just like, I'm not, I didn't do anything. I'm not getting off the train. And then the cops looked very uncomfortable, didn't know what to do. And then just ultimately got off and then the train left and it was quiet again. So we now have this guy who was almost removed for no reason. And then the first guy who now is just where, but everyone on the train is happy again because it feels safe and sound and quiet. I mean, this is just yet another example of people not understanding mental health and how to treat people and recognize what men, what a mental health crisis disorder illness however you want to say it what that actually looks like and so we're making these sweeping generalizations about people once again and i understand that they're trying to address an issue but i feel like there's a lot of this using of mental health as sort of this um, in vogue type tagline of like, yeah, it's not, it's because of, of mental health. And it's because of there's such a lack of resources. People talk about it all the time. But then when it comes down to having to put money into this type of care, that's where we fall short everybody wants to be part of the mental health conversation. Everybody wants to talk about the the mental health crisis, the teen mental health crisis. Everybody wants to talk about that. 
and everyone gets mad about it and everyone gets, uh, you know, opinionated about it. We need to have a ton of money dumped into it. This is a huge problem. New York City is not ready to host- to go around hospitalizing anyone who they feel like could be in a mental health crisis. They're not ready to do that. They're not, they don't have the resources. They don't have the care. This just is, you know, another terrible example of how people just don't understand what mental health is or don't, or don't understand what to do with it. You may understand what it is. You may be able to even recognize it, but then like what you do and how you help people long-term there, it's very, very short-sighted. You don't just throw people in hospitals and put them in a bed and then three days later release them and everything's fine. They're just going to go back to the same corner on the, you know, on the 23rd street stop. Right. Right. What, because what are you trying to do? Well, I think that goes back to, and I, I will be my most cynical self in this episode and that I really don't think that they're trying to help anybody who uh, they're saying they're trying to help. This is not about helping people um, get through mental health crisis because what, what happens? So there's going to be an agitated person because the police are going to have to figure out a way to engage them, get them into the police car or into an ambulance and short, transport them to the ER. What's it going to be like when they get there? They're, you're either uh, uh, just destroying a person by uh, getting them to withdraw and just like follow you or they're going to fight back and then it's going to yes. escalate. And then you're going to yes. think you have a reason to do whatever you're going to do next. You're going to get them to the ER, say they're admitted for what, two or three days, because we don't keep anyone in the hospital longer than we need to, especially if they can't pay for it. And we're going to give them medication to sedate them, not to treat them, because we're not going to have enough time to actually understand what's going on with them. And then we're going to discharge them. And who's going to pay for them to continue to get that medication? Nobody. So what's going to happen? They're going to end up on the streets again. And it's just going to be a cycle. And the hospital staff, if I was still working in a hospital right now, I would be living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw an interview on TV. Well, I watched an interview with um, somebody who works with Adams. And they were talking about the amount of hospitals available and the amount of rooms available. And they said that they were starting with something like 50 beds. And I mean, that was hilarious. And I just burst out laughing when I heard 50 beds. And because 50 beds in New York City is absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And then when the question came of, well, what happens when the 51st bed or what happens when the 51st person needs a bed? There was this kind of like political PR nothing answer of, well, we're anticipating more. What? It it just it sounds great on paper. No, you know what? It doesn't sound great on paper. It, it sounds doesn't. terrible on paper. It sounds terrible on paper, and it's also just a complete and total crap band aid for something that is a huge systemic problem. So, you know, the the investment needs to be so different. The conversation needs to be so different. But right now, the conversation is punitive and forceful, punish mm-hmm. and forceful. And I think that there are you know, uh, police officers are even sort of like, how are we supposed to recognize this? Because the guidelines are very vague. They're very vague. Like someone you think might be in a crisis, they don't even have to be violent, but someone who you think might be in a crisis. I I don't know. I don't know how to like, I don't know how to do that. 
they don't, don't know even... how to do that. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, if anybody knows how to do it, we would know how to do it, but they don't know how to do it, certainly. And like, are they having mobile crisis units manage this? Do they have social workers out doing this? Like who who is who is doing this? Or is this just anybody? Like if you see something, say something type of thing. And we're going to take them into the hospital and do what? That's the thing. Like, is this a solution? Well, I'll it is dumb. Well, I'll tell you, uh, it is supposed to involve social workers from what I've heard. So, uh, you know, I this is coming from the mayor. It's not coming from the police department. And my understanding is that the police department was like, we're going to need, like you said, very clear uh, criteria on what this looks like and very clear steps to follow. Um, and then it came up like, what happens, uh, you know, are police trained to engage in this way? And the response was, no, we're going to have social workers team up. So this is what's going to happen. Social workers are going to be tied in people's minds to this initiative. So they are going to think of social workers as part of the team of people who come and find you when you're not bothering anyone and drag you to the hospital. And do you know what's going to happen the second time? Someone, the police or this police social work team approaches the same person to say, we're going to take you back to the hospital. It's going to be way worse than the first time because now they know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So you're going to just keep ending up approaching the same people in the streets with the same cycle. And what you said about being a Band-Aid, I feel like it's not even a Band-Aid because a Band-Aid stops the bleeding at least for a little. This is not even, this is not even a Band-Aid. Um, to be clear, I did say crap Band-Aid. Crappy Band-Aid. It's like it's a crappy band-aid. Like, which I don't know what that looks like, but I'm just saying that it's probably not going to stop the bleeding. Please it's continue. Not. It's like a band-aid made out of one ply tissue. And like as you're applying that one ply tissue band-aid, you're also putting pressure on whatever's making the bleeding happen. So yeah, I don't crap. even know where this is going, but it's you're just band-aid. making it worse. Yeah, it's a crap band-aid. And you're dragging social workers into this. Do, I would not want to be the social worker that teams up to follow this initiative. It's just a, you know, it, it almost feels like even regardless who is leading this charge, there's just, it's not a treatment plan. Mm -mm. It's, it's, it's not. There was an interviewer where I thought someone put it well, they're using it as a tactic, not an initiative, mm -hmm. right? So like an initiative, we're starting something, we're creating a plan, that sort of thing. A tactic is, is not that. It's mm -hmm. like, this is what we're going to do. And then it just works itself out. Like mm -hmm. what, what is the end game for this? I, I just like, oh, we'll get them the treatment they need. Well, what does that mean? These people need a lot of things. The system probably failed them in many ways many years ago. I'm not here to make any judgments on people's life choices because it doesn't matter. What matters is what are the resources moving forward. People need a place to live. People need dignity, right? They, they need places to go. They need to be cared for. They need to figure out how they can care for themselves and care for the people around them, access their resources, have a community. Mm -hmm. That's what makes people well. Not shoving them in psychiatric emergency rooms where there's probably a 12 hour wait and you have to sit on a gurney for a day. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's not cute. It's just, it's, it's so cute. terrible. It's not cute. It's not cute. Do you know what's about to happen to that 12 hour wait? 24. 
48, three days. Well, and I mean, do you know how long you're going to be waiting in the ER? Because it's going to be filled with people that are agitated who have been kicked out of the subway. Yeah. But the subway will be so nice now. They'll be like, <laughs> drinks on it, be aromatherapy. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. So, okay. So one thing is exactly to your point that you said just now, I could not agree more. We've talked about this in the past that like, mental health services and treatment are about assessment, identifying the issue, setting some goals, putting them in place, trying to different interventions to ultimately reach the goal and get the person to a more flourishing life, right? Whatever that looks like. So, right. This is not that. This is not that. This is just getting people out of the light so that we don't have to look at them anymore. We don't have to deal with them. We don't have to be scared. And as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about people I know and people who I know are going to be listening to this, who are going to are going to probably disagree and feel like I don't want my subways to feel like they do. And I'm not arguing against that. I'm not saying our subways are okay. I'm not saying it's okay to be scared. I have been terrified on the subway, like I said. I'm just saying this is not a solution. And when people say, well, uh, all the, the programs that we're going to have to start, to your point, Jill, all the things that we'll need in place take money, right? And if we keep trying these stupid non-band-aids, instead of putting the money into those bigger things, we're just going to keep doing this. We're just going to keep doing this. And it's just going to get worse. And our system is just deteriorating. And how how much collaboration happened? It seemed like he just made this announcement. Did he coordinate with the hospitals? Did he coordinate with the police department? Did he coordinate with social workers? Did he coordinate with anybody? It seems like he just woke up one morning and was like, I have an idea. Put me in no, touch with the news station. 50 beds, Isabel. 50 <laughs> whole beds. There's only like 49 unhoused people in New York. So it's perfect. It will work perfectly <laughs> worst joke ever oh it's so terrible it is terrible I feel like if I were listening to us I would be like okay well then what do you think is the solution and I feel like I have some ideas well what are your thoughts on that my thoughts are similar to like you said I think we need to start putting more money into uh mental health care treatment into uh shelters which are unsafe, not a place that most people want to be, affordable price so that people can afford to continue their care once they leave the hospital. Those are some ideas. I think this just takes a very different perspective and leadership because, mm -hmm. so I haven't lived in New York for a few years, but from what it seems like, it seems like we're kind of entering a little bit more of a Giuliani type territory of being more punitive and kind of like, we're going to clean up this city type of mentality. And there's always fallout for that. Right. So like some people on the outside will be like, great, this is, this is great. The subways are cleaner or there's, you know, there, there are some changes that I see, but there's always an underbelly to that. You can't just get rid of people. You push people out, but they're still people and they're still there. And so it just takes a different perspective of leadership because it's so dehumanizing. There's so much that happens with unhoused people that is just so incredibly dehumanizing. These are human beings with families. You know, there was, there was talk about how if they refuse to go to shelters, 
there can be consequence for that. Shelters are not always safe. They're very scary. So many people are one paycheck away from being unhoused. And I think that programs that can really return people's dignity is what the long-term could be a long-term solution. Having there are there are organizations in Manhattan that that partake in that, but there just needs to be so much more funding that goes into these type of places that helps people with job training and addiction and housing and education and childcare and things like that. I mean, it's just there's so much. It's such an insurmountable problem. It's hard to know where to start. This does not seem like the starting point. Agree. You know, lots of people are one paycheck away from being displaced. And then anyone at any point could become mentally unhealthy, right? Like, have you ever been on the subway and just been like completely out of it or been like crying or like just been through something really terrible? Like, what would it take for a police officer to look at you and decide, mm, you might be mentally ill, take you to the hospital? Yeah. Oh, oh my I God. definitely looked like a person who was going through some sort of crisis on the subway a couple of times. Absolutely. Around the time that my dad passed, I cried on the subway and I cried on every bus, every subway, every sidewalk, just like, not to, I'm saying it sounds silly to be like, oh, if you're crying, no one's going to think you're mentally ill. I don't know what, who are these police officers that are making this decision, right? And then you take race and um, age and gender and all these other things into consideration, right? I think when it comes to being displaced and being mentally ill, so many of us put so much distance between ourselves and our families and our loved ones and those people. So it seems like it's okay, whatever you need to do to get rid of them. But, you know, a lot of people that I've worked with that have been through some serious psychiatric crises, I don't know, started out as one of those people who distanced themselves from it, who thought it would never be me. I'm just going through my head thinking of all of the weird things I've done on subway before. <laughs> going back thinking like mm, when I was in my early 20s and being on the subway at 3 a.m. after yep. being out for a whole night, what, yep. what kind of things was I doing? <laughs> Nothing, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, it does make you think like, geez. Right. What's the cutoff line? What's the criteria? Right. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. Wow. This is this is great. interested in moving back oh every day (laughs) people like this mayor are just you know he wants to like what you said before like it's about being punitive who are we punishing like we are also not even just in a place right now this has always been happening but it's definitely heightened now like at the end of the pandemic and post-pandemic how many people are facing eviction because we're not providing them with services. So they are going to contribute to people being on the street. So we're not helping them avoid being evicted. And once they get evicted, we're gonna force them to go to the hospital. It's basically, we're just we're just imprisoning people. We're just imprisoning people. And then what, if they have insurance, are they gonna get a bill? Who's paying for them in the hospital? Who's paying for this? Could you imagine being forced to go to the hospital in that kind of scenario and then getting a hospital bill? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> actually, yeah. actually, I can, but good Lord, I don't know. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, 
you know, there's a sense of like wanting to just it to disappear, right? Like just wanting to not see it anymore, to not, to have it not visible anymore. Mm -hmm. And these are human beings and it's really upsetting and disappointing and sad because yeah, again, it's like a, a lot of misunderstanding about what mental health crisis looks like and what the treatment is. Honestly, there was just more transparency. Like at least if he got on and was like, look, I'm sick of all these rich people complaining about being uncomfortable on the subway with all these homeless people. So we got to get him out and, you know, we're just going to put him in the hospital and then, you know, that's it. And then the, the next mayor can deal with whatever's next. And then at least people know, but right now the way he's phrasing it, like there are people who don't understand what this is going to look like and the downfalls to it, who are like, this is a great idea. And they, and, 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 and with good intention, right? In their mind, they're like, oh, great, we're going to help all these people. And eh, we're not. No. It's upsetting when you have people making generalizations about mental health who are not mental health clinicians and who don't necessarily understand the the nuances of it. Good word. All right, Isabel. Well, now it's time to tell a joke. So... <laughs> Um, we don't end on such a terrible, depressing, angry note. That's like a joke. Do you have one? Do I have a joke? Yeah. What do you call a bear with no teeth? Wait, wait, let me actually think. What do you call a bear with no teeth? Yeah. Grandpa. What? A gummy bear. Oh, I really always wanted to be the person who gets the joke before they say it. That was my son's favorite joke when he was three. So when he, he was three, it. he got it. And I came. When he was three. Yeah, <laughs> and he told it every night at the <laughs> dinner table as if it was the first time that anyone had ever heard it. It was just new every day for him. That's amazing. It's like the song Let It Go for my nephew. Yes. Oh, we did. We had a let it go phase as well. Okay. Now it's your turn to tell a joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? orange <laughs> really <laughs> you're orange. supposed to say orange who orange who orange you guys didn't say banana <laughs> but you didn't do the banana part there's a, there's a banana part you got it wrong oh my god that was the worst execution <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, 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 wait i'm supposed to say banana a bunch of times yay okay you ruined it I forgot. Thanks for listening, everybody. Knock, Please knock. come back again. <laughs> Bye. No. <laughs>you for listening to this episode of we could all use some therapy we hope that you found some of the content relevant and uh, we'd love to hear from you so if you have any thoughts or ideas you want to share with us feel free to email us at we could all use some therapy at gmail.com the longest email address in existence we would love to hear from you and uh, use your questions and thoughts for future episodes hope to see you again soon bye